Luke chapter 10, please. Luke 10. We're going to continue in our series on heavenly love. Luke chapter number 10. We will read the whole story again here of the what is known as the Good Samaritan. Verse number 30 of Luke chapter number 10. And Jesus answering said, A certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell among thieves, which stripped him of his raiment and wounded him and departed, leaving him half dead. And by chance there came down a certain priest that way, And when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. And likewise, a Levite, when he was at that place, came and looked on him and passed by on the other side. But a certain Samaritan, as he journeyed, came where he was. And when he saw him, he had compassion on him and went to him and bound up his wounds, pouring in oil and wine and set him on his own beast and brought him to an inn and took care of him. And on the morrow, when he departed, he took out two pence and gave them to the host And said unto him, Take care of him, and whatsoever thou spendest more, when I come again, I will repay thee. Which now of these three thinkest thou was neighbor unto him that fell among thieves? And he said, He that showed mercy on him. Then Jesus said unto him, Go and do likewise. Uh, If you recall this this parable that Jesus is teaching here, uh, which would be a story, Uh, you uh, parables would not be uh, true accounts of of specific people. Uh, Jesus would often use legitimate names when it was a story that would include people. But he's telling this story in response to a question from a uh, man that would have understood the law. I, I want you to see that in verse number 25, Luke 10, verse 25. And behold, a certain lawyer stood up and tempted him, that's how we know this is a legitimate question here, Master, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? Okay, just reviewing why Jesus is telling this parable. You have this man who you know he's not being, um, he's being insincere, insincere because the, the, the text tells us that. It wasn't an honest question. He wasn't seeking to learn He didn't really want to know about eternal life and how to inherit that. He wanted to trap Jesus. He wanted to uh, debate. He wanted to get into an intellectual discussion on an area that he probably felt he had an upper hand on in knowing uh, the law. And look at verse 26. 26 is key. And he said unto him, what is written in the law? And then his next question, how readest thou? How do you interpret? How do you uh, understand the law? How do you see that you are to love the Lord your God as well as your neighbor? Look at verse 27. And he answering said, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy strength, and with all thy mind. That's exactly what we're going to look at at 11 o'clock as we continue through Deuteronomy. And so he, he had that. Yeah, he, he answered that correctly. And then he adds on the Leviticus 19 law, and thy neighbor as thyself. So again, this man, perfect summary. Perfect to the T, the moral law. I mean, just the, he just completely uh, shattered it. All of the demands of that. And he answered exactly uh, the, way that, uh, the, the way that he ought to. 
And notice what it says in verse 28. And Jesus said unto him, and he said unto him, Thou hast answered right. This do, and thou shalt live. So he, uh, so, so, so Jesus uh, said, yes, go ahead and try to, try to attempt this. Verse 29, but he, willingly, willing to justify himself, got to understand, he was listening to that inner lawyer that we often joke about and talk about here. He wanted to justify himself. He wanted to be perceived in the crowd as someone that clearly loved the Lord as God with all his heart, mind. So, I mean, he totally skips over that. And he asks this question, who is my neighbor? Now, I want you to turn to Matthew 5 real quick. Matthew 5. Just to kind of, I'm trying to give us the context here again. A week can be a long time. We might forget things. Matthew chapter number 5. Do you remember how, what Jesus said? What does it say in the law? And how do you interpret it? And how do you, how do you read it? And so in uh, Jesus' famous Sermon on the Mount, look at verse 43 of Matthew 5. Ye have heard that it has been said, Thou shalt love thy neighbor and hate thine enemy. Notice what Jesus said? This is what, this is what you have heard. This is how it is being interpreted in society. Have you ever noticed how society might interpret scriptures in just a really kind of odd way? The things that they might allow or the things that they don't allow and they're very, very, very strict on certain things and yet where the Bible's not, all these different types of things. So what is it that what is it that you've heard? Well, you've heard that you are to love your neighbor and that you are allowed to hate your enemy. Okay, so that took all the force out of that command, right? Because you and I, if when the when the road meets the road, we can justify my lack of love for you by just saying, well, you're my neighbor. You said something really mean like 10 years ago to me. <laughs> you can hold it against a spouse or whatever the case is. Oh, I don't have to love you because, you know, these different types of things. And so Jesus was trying to say, well, what is, what is your interpretation? How do, you, how do you read it, sir? How do you read the law? Well, and he says, to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and so forth. Oh, and to love your neighbor as yourself. And then he says, you've done a good job with this. And then he, of course, asks him who his neighbor is. But look at verse 44. But I say unto you, love your enemies, bless them that curse you, and do good to them that hate you, and pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you. And so Jesus is saying here, you've interpreted it. This is kind of the word on the street is, is that, yeah, you're to love your neighbor, but you and I get to determine who our neighbor is. And so last week we began to, we began to look at the priest. And if you recall, this road from Jerusalem to Jericho was about a 4,000 foot elevation drop. This is a dangerous road. You can still take portions of it today. On our trip to Israel, we would have been on a portion of this that is very barren. Uh, there weren't a lot of homes. There weren't a lot of uh, just really opportunities for for stops and for people. It was about, as we said last week, about a 17 mile or so um, trek down. Uh, there were many times where this road would have 300 foot just drops and precipices and caves and <clears throat> excuse me rocks to where thieves and bandits and things like that could uh, could could hide away. And so Jesus's story is really what would have happened. Uh, it's it, it, it's a it's a reality uh, where 
where this could happen. And uh, we see, look at verse number 30. And Jesus answering and said, A certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell among thieves, which stripped him of his raiment and wounded him and departed, leaving him half dead. Remember, this, this man, was ta- everything was taken from him. He was beaten. You and I in today's vernacular would uh, basically say that he was in a critical condition. They left him for dead. He's on the side of a, uh, of a just a, a road barren. And uh, depending on what type of year, it could be actually pretty, you know, it could be extremely hot uh, down there near uh, below sea level, extremely hot. And he's just been left dead there, uh, take everything taken from him, beaten. And then uh, the story kind of gives a little bit of hope. I want you to see the hope in verse 31. And by chance there came down a certain priest that way. Yes! So we'll see in a moment when we look here at the Levite, it was like the man in the story that absolutely was going to help. And then it just kind of really goes down in the, in the eyes and in the ears of the listeners, those that would have been hearing this story. And so there's a little, there's a little glimmer of hope that, that, the, that the priest is going to, to come. But obviously what appears on the surface to be hope uh, really is bad news. Uh, this man did not adhere to the law that he would have known, which says in Leviticus 19, I'm just going to read it for you, Thou shalt not avenge nor bear any grudge against the children of thy people, but thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. I am the Lord. And it goes on to say, And if a stranger sojourn with thee in your land, ye shall not vex him. But the stranger that dwelleth with you shall be unto you as one born among you, and thou shalt love him as thyself. For ye were strangers in the land of Egypt. I am the Lord your God. And so Jesus, or excuse me, the the law would have stated not only the ones that you are like family, the ones that you would love, those, yeah, those are your neighbors for sure, your friends, the people that are easy to love. Oh, by the way, the sojourner, the person that's just maybe staying in your home, you you invite strangers, you're to love them as well. Oh, that's, that's okay. That's not... That's not that bad, right? You know, that's a, yeah, it's okay. But how about your enemy? Remember last week we looked at in Exodus that when an ox or their donkey literally ran away, you were supposed to go help your enemy get his donkey back. No way. You're on, <laughs> you're on your own, buddy. Right? And we learn also in the law that if their, if their donkey was literally kind of caught in a ditch or something, they're, 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 they're under the load of whatever they were carrying, you were supposed to go help your enemy. The person that you deemed as not your neighbor, you were to show love unto that individual. You were to, you, you were to try to help them. And so Jesus literally turned the lawyer's question on its head and it's he asked who is my neighbor listen to me before we get to the levite that's not the right question jesus is showing him through this parable that righteous compassion that it's not it's not narrow you and i are not to seek for definitions of what is true suffering or what is a outflow of our love, 
the duties of the second great commandment are not defined by the questions of who our neighbor is. The fact is, the exact opposite is true. Genuine love compels us to be neighborly, even to strangers, those that sojourn. Okay, You would kind of call it maybe a stranger to you today. And then also to those that you could deem as your enemy. Someone that has appeared against you. Someone who has harmed you. Someone who has said something unto you. Jesus is blowing this idea of who is my neighbor. Totally turning it upside down. And so, let's get to the the Levite here. That was a long review to look at the Levite. Look again at verse number 31. And by chance there came down a certain priest that way. And when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. I remember what we said. We look at those, you look at that in the original language, in the Greek there. This is the only other time these words are used. It's in this text. Verse 32, And likewise, a Levite, when he saw the place, came and looked on him. It's almost like a little bit more of a, a little bit more of compassion. You know, the priest kind of just sees him, literally by choice. Remember the, remember, remember the description I gave you? Uh, last week, you know, sometimes when you're on University Avenue and you know that there's going to be someone there asking money and it's like, yeah, I don't want to ask that guy. So I go to the other side. Okay, been there, done that, got the t-shirt. You don't judge me and I won't judge you. Okay? Good. But that's what we're talking about. Literally, <laughs> no, 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 no. Well, the Levite, he kind of sees him and it looks, it, it kind of sounds like verse 30, 32, and looked on him and passed by on the other side. Again, exact same phrase. Whoop. Direct action, I am going to go out of my way to bypass you. Now listen, all priests were from the tribe of Levi. But more specifically, those who served as priests were descendants of Aaron. And Aaron was one of the sons of Levi. So the term Levite uh, referred to, yes, descendants of Levi but they weren't sons of Aaron. Did I confuse you enough with that? Okay, everybody follow that? All priests, okay, would be sons of Levi, but they also were of the, 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 the line of Aaron. And so Aaron is one of Levi's sons. And so when you see the phrase Levite in the Bible, it's not Aaron's sons. It's not the actual acting priests in the temple. Uh, the, these Levites, they were of Levi, but they weren't of Aaron's line. They, were, they, they served in a subordinate role in the temple. Some were assistants to the priests. Some were maybe temple police. Uh, others worked in various behind-the-scene roles, maintaining the temple, servicing the temple. Um, you know, in our today's vernacular, maybe they would mow a lawn or they would fix something that was broken, things like that. But their lives also were devoted to religious service. So they would have been, just like the priests, expected to have a good understanding of the law. And again, we looked at that last week. When I want to review all of the different things that I believe this priest would have totally known, totally would have understood, and he decided, I'm not going to put any of that into action. Instead, I'm going to try to trap Jesus and say, well, you know, who's... You know, who's my neighbor? And that's why Jesus puts this priest in here to kind of slap the lawyer in the face a little bit, but in grace. Amen? 
Nevertheless, when this Levite came to the place where the wounded man was laying, he did the same thing that the priest did. As soon as he saw the helpless victim lying there, he moved to the other side of the road. So here's another man that was empty of this compassion that you and I are commanded to have, first and second great commandment. Remember where Jesus says later? Jesus said, everything in the law hinges on those two, to love God and then to love your neighbor. And so both of these men in the parable would have fully understood what the responsibility, what the command that God would have had for them to do these individuals. Earlier in the text of Luke 10, Jesus said, In that hour Jesus rejoiced in spirit and said, I thank thee, O Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that thou hast hid these things from the wise and prudent and hast revealed them unto babes. These two religious characters in the parable, a priest and then the Levite, they embodied what Jesus meant when he said the wise and the prudent. They represented their culture's best educated and most highly esteemed religious dignitaries. But they didn't really know God. Is there anything wrong with being smart? No. No. Hey, is there anything wrong with um, you know having um, having wisdom? That's not what Jesus isn't bashing that. Jesus isn't saying, "Hey, you're not supposed to have a good job." And he's not saying that. Jesus is teaching here that if we're not careful, our knowledge can outweigh our actions. What we think we know. What we're really strong on, and I would say that there's many people in our church that are very doctrinally strong. I'm thankful for the doctrines of the Word of God, the truths of the Word of God. I'm not saying that we're better than any other church. It's not what I'm saying. But I am thankful for the richness that uh, many have been trained up with in their lifetime. Myself and the desire on a weekly basis to, 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 to give real uh, food and meat that we, can, that we can chew on, that we can dive into texts and things like that. But if that's not fleshed out in my daily life, that's not fleshed out in my loving my neighbor. I mean, again, this lawyer thought, you know, hey, I'm good with God. I'm going to skip that part and say, well, then who's my neighbor? And we know that that's everybody. But if it's not being fleshed out, can I ask you a real question? What good's the knowledge? You know what? What good is it if we aren't going to live it out? What good is it for us to to know how we are to live in this world, in this life, and to not love our neighbors? These men, they 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 would have known, but when they were faced with a real urgent need and they had the opportunity to demonstrate love, they refused. They're striking illustrations of religious hypocrites. And by the way, in a moment, I'm gonna, that this can be very much me. Uh, we observe the ceremonial law. We have 
uh, we, we, we even devote our lives to the service of the temple and to uh, the, just you know to, to, to re- a life of, of real virtue. Okay, let me bring it to maybe more of our vernacular high standards of living. I'm not talking about like nice homes, but just just standards in our life, things I won't do, things I won't say. Blah, 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 blah. And if we're not careful, if it doesn't flesh itself out in in love, then we ought to be very um, we ought to be very cognizant of this type of uh, of chapter in this parable. People sometimes cite the story of the Good Samaritan. They point to the priest and they point to the Levite and they think, man, that's that's utter inhumanity. And then sometimes if we're not careful, we close the book and we have a sense of moral. Uh, man, I'm glad I'm not like the priest. I'm glad I'm not like glad I'm not like the Levite. And that would be a huge mistake for you and I to just move on. And we will get to the Samaritan. But it's a mistake to just move on from what is going on in this story and not necessarily see ourselves you are right to condemn the callous disregard of these men in the story 100 percent it just it, it, it you're right to do that you're right to look at their uh, deliberate actions of a lack of compassion kind of with scorn you're right to do that uh, but in doing so if we're not careful we don't realize that we're also condemning ourselves and we all including the one teaching right now, can grow vastly in this area. Of where we sometimes decipher, well, here's the time I should help, and here's the time I shouldn't. Where when when God will bring situations in, and he's wanting us to love our neighbor. And how that gets fleshed out is different. Like we'll see that uh, with when when we actually get to the Good Samaritan, that um, it 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 actually takes on many different many different ways. But sometimes we think, well, I just don't want to get involved. I just don't I just don't know how deep how deep is this. And here's 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 Ryan's thing. Can I just confess before uh, the people that I love? Is that okay? Here's sometimes I, here's what I do, Dave. I'm like, well, how how deep's this help can actually be? That's kind of sometimes I evaluate it like that. Like I have a heart that wants to help, but stop judging me. Just trying to help, okay? Sometimes I'll be like, okay, all right, there's a clear need here, but man, if I step in, man, how 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 deep? And I'm not talking about money. I'm just talking sometimes about time and all this. And I'm asking God to help me with that. So you pray for me. And I'll pray for you. Because you know what? You know what the world needs to see? The world needs to see you and I being radical in the in, in the best sense. Don't, don't, don't take this the wrong way. Radical lovers. I mean, in just amazing ways, ways that ways that don't even make sense, where we're just a radical lover to of course, those that we love, it's easy to love those that we love. But then also to the stranger, the people that the people that we don't know, and then to those that we would like to chalk up as our enemies or the ones that make us feel uncomfortable, the ones that we say, well, no, you don't deserve this. And then we give the reasons why they don't deserve it. And so may we be men and women, may we be a church that has love for one another, 
And then Jesus says, that's how the world knows, that you're a follower. You're a Christian. It's a disciple, right? A disciple is a follower of Jesus Christ, follower of his teachings. Well, guess what? This, this lesson that he was teaching on this day was blowing up the norms. I mean, exploding. You get to the Samaritan, he was the least likely one to help this. I mean, every single person, when Jesus comes to the point where, and there was a Samaritan, they're like, their thoughts were probably, okay, well, this man's never going to get any help. Because he wasn't supposed to help them in that culture. And, uh, and, so, and so we'll look at that. And so let's, let's break the culture and let's love. We, we, we're in a country right now of such hatred, and there's party lines and I understand there's conservative things. I, I, I get all of that. And you ought to know what you, 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 ought to know what you believe. You ought, to, you, you, ought, you ought to know some things about morality that are important to you. But can I say that it, we, it, it shouldn't matter what side of the aisle they're on. It shouldn't matter what color skin they have. And by the way, I think our church does great with this. I love the, I love the diversity of our church. It doesn't matter uh, their, you know, their, their, their wealth status or anything like that, but that no matter who comes across our way, if God says, I want you to love radically, that we don't do sometimes what I do, and we say, well, man, how deep is radical? And I want to start defining what it looks like. Instead, I just want to say, Lord, let me be, let me be a vessel that is used, that, that you can use to just shine forth the love of God. Let's pray for one another on that. Here's what I want us to do. I did it last week. I want to do it again this week. Let's just, everyone, bow your head, close your eyes, all by yourself, and I want you to pray that the Lord would help you to love in this fashion. We haven't really gotten to the Samaritan yet, but I think we can see from how many times we've read the text. and Just ask him to help you with it. Father, I'm thankful for this story that we read in Luke. And God, I'm thankful for the ministry of the Holy Spirit. I'm thankful for how he even brings conviction from your word. And uh, Lord, so often I want to relate with the Samaritan in the text. And yet you've shown me this week again that there are times where my condemnation towards these two examples is definitely true. We ought to see it as not appropriate. But God, you've, you've shown me how sometimes that exists in my very own life. I'm so thankful for Jesus. I'm so, so thankful for our, for our good Samaritan. Was willing to see us in our plight. Was willing to die on the cross and to give of everything and then to give us such riches in the ministry of the Holy Spirit in us. And God, I, I pray that we would rest in our substitute of Jesus Christ. And Lord, I pray that we would realize that we have been so loved by you that we can love others. And Lord, I pray that you would help us as we see this text to 
to be honest with ourselves and find where we need to grow. And then, Lord, I pray we would have the courage to uh, obey when you place impulses by the Holy Spirit into our life and into our thoughts of how we can love our neighbor, being those that are easily loved, those that are strangers in our life, and those that we would deem as difficult to love, maybe a perceived enemy or someone that seems to be against us. God, I pray that you'd help us with that. And Lord, we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.